Welcome to the second special Christmas break edition of A Cup of Gratitude podcast. I'm still over here making air quotes because I'm really not slowing down or taking a break during this time. I've actually been really busy, but I think we're all busy doing family things, spending our time with others, celebrating the holiday. So I want to honor that as a special gift to you instead of our longer version interview podcasts. As a gift to you, I'm excited to share a few audio versions of my blog where I go a lot deeper into God's Word. And as I'm asking questions and digging, God shows me amazing treasures that I want to share with you so that you can go and also have a cup filled with gratitude. You can go to my website, acupofgratitude.org, and you can look at the blog posts there. I'll also post something in the show notes. And if you like what you read, feel free to subscribe. I also have a free printable gratitude journal page in the resources section of that website for you. Take them, print them out. You can make an entire journal and and really help yourself establish the practice of gratitude. So I'm excited to give these blog posts an audio twist. I think it's always really interesting to listen to something um, that somebody else has written and have them do the one speaking. I'm also featuring, again, Laurel Taylor's music all four weeks. I've gotten to know her and love her family and her. She is a wonderful Christian artist, and I just know you're going to love her, too. If you haven't already discovered her, she's amazing. Her story is on season four, episode number three. And then her parents came on. They also shared in season four, episode number 10. And these interviews are really powerful. Uh, I, I am excited to be able to share her music. I think she's amazing. And we're going to be going into more depth in the new year on a new song that she has put out. And we're going to do a kind of behind the scenes interview describing what it's like to put an important song out and, and what the process is like for someone to get a song out there and, and being listened to. Uh, just in case you're new to the show, Laurel Taylor is a singer, songwriter, and producer whose roots and influences of rock, country, and gospel blend together to give her a unique and edgy sound. She has toured around the world from small town music festivals to the bars of Nashville to European tours. She's worked with and performed with a variety of artists, including Lauren Daigle, Jason Crabb, Micah Tyler, Cutlass, Sanctus Real, Rhett Walker, Diamond Rio, and CCR. Wow. She has a heart full of joy and a desire to share the love of Jesus with everyone through her music. So let's get started. Today, I'm going to share with you a little something different. This blog post is called Daughter. And if you were listening last week, we looked at the Red Sea. And we looked at God and his plan and every detail in it of setting us free and how the Red Sea was a symbolic thing for actually the blood of Christ, for the thing that would eventually set us all free. And that was for all of his people. In this story, we're looking at how intentional God is just to each individual one of us. There's a story of a woman with the issue of blood in the Bible. She had an illness that caused her to bleed continuously. She'd been bleeding for 12 years, being considered ritually impure. The law said that anything she touched would be defiled. Can you imagine being unable to touch anything or anyone for 12 whole years? 
I mean, during the pandemic, I couldn't hug my daughter or speak to her without being at least six feet away while wearing a mask because I chose to move in and live with my elderly parents to care for them. That time was excruciating, but I was still able to hug my son and my parents who lived in the house with me. I was able to be in human contact, and I can't fathom not touching another person for that many years. Can you? I mean, this woman was considered unclean. She'd been isolated and stigmatized by her own people. She'd seen every doctor and spent all of her money, but nothing had helped her. She was not given a name in this story found in the Gospels. Matthew 9, 20 through 22 says, Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the hem of his garment She said to herself, if only I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her and said, take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. The word used here for hem means fringe, tassel, or the border of a garment. It says in Numbers 15, 38 through 39, speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and to put a blue thread and the tassels on the corners, and you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. These tassels were sewn on the mantle that men wore at the time, which was a long rectangular cloth that draped down over the body. It had four corners at the bottom. The Israelites were to attach tassels to the corners of their garment. Over time, the style changed, and instead of the four corners, the cloth became more rounded at the bottom. And due to no longer having the four corners, the Israelites developed something called the talit, and Orthodox Jews of the day wore it. When the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she would have touched one of the tassels. We cannot miss the deep and significant meaning of the place where this woman reached out to touch Jesus. The meaning of the hem and tassels on Jesus' garment was important. The hem and tassels told who people were at that time. These items would indicate a person's status in society. The hem was particularly important because it symbolized the owner's identity and authority. Legal contracts at that time were actually written on clay tablets and were signed by pressing the corner of one's hem into the clay. In 1 Samuel 24, 3-5, David encounters Saul in a cave. And instead of killing Saul, he cuts off part of the hem of his garment. David felt great remorse because even though he didn't kill the king, which he could have done, cutting off the hem symbolically was equal to assaulting the king's authority to reign. Tassels were a sign of nobility and kings and princes wore them. The woman who was bleeding was considered impure. She would have defiled anyone that she touched. And when her fingers brushed the hem of Christ's garment, Immediately power went out from him, and she was healed. Jesus called out into the crowd, and he said, Who touched me? She had touched his identity and his authority. Where the tassels were was the holiest part of the garment. Jesus' purity was so great 
that instead of becoming defiled by her touch, he healed her impurity with his identity through that same touch. Jesus didn't call out because he didn't know who touched him. He knew. He did not call out because he didn't know who she was. He did. He called her out of the crowd because he wanted her to know who she was. The people in the crowd were her neighbors. They knew her, but they didn't even know her name anymore because she had been sick for so long. They knew her by what had happened to her. She didn't know her identity because it had been overridden by what had happened to her. Jesus called her out of the crowd, out of that false identity, and he called her daughter. This woman is the only person that Jesus calls daughter in the entire Bible. Jesus wanted her to know that she was part of the family. She was the daughter of the king. Can you imagine what it would be like if everyone knew you for what you were going through? Oh, there's the woman who's divorced. There's the woman who had a miscarriage. Oh, there's the woman who has an addiction. There's the woman with cancer. Oh, there's the woman with mental health issues. There's the woman who is overweight. There's the woman who was sexually assaulted. There's the woman who's having an affair. There's the woman who's still single. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. This happens now, too. People find out what you're struggling with, and that's the name that they call you by. And it's the opposite of what's supposed to happen in the church. But Jesus calls her daughter. He calls you daughter. He calls me daughter. Having the compassion to call us all out of that wrong identity and remind us of who we are in him. His compassion is love in action. He joins her in her struggle instead of leaving her there in the crowd. I mean, Jesus could have just known that he had healed her and moved on. He could have kept walking. He was on the way to heal another daughter the only child of Jairus, who was a synagogue leader. While Jesus was taking the time to interact with the hemorrhaging woman, people came from Jairus' house to tell him that the girl had died. For Jairus, all hope had died with his daughter. Just as the woman with the issue of blood had lost hope of ever being healed, but God, that's my favorite favorite little saying in the Bible, but God, he had a different plan Jesus went to Jairus' home anyway. He told him not to be afraid, but to believe in him. Jesus took the little girl by the hand and said, Talatakum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And in response, immediately, the girl stood up and started walking around. And interestingly enough, she was 12 years old. The number 12 can be found in 187 places in the Bible, and it symbolizes God's power and authority. It can also symbolize completeness or the nation of Israel as a whole. Jacob, who was later called Israel, had 12 sons, each of which represented a tribe. 12 cakes of bread were to be placed every week in the temple. And Christ called 12 men to bear witness to what he did and to spread the good news of the gospel to the entire world. The first recording of Jesus' words occurs when he is 12 years old. The high priest's breastplate had 12 stones embedded in each. 
Obviously, 12 isn't put in these stories without a purpose. 12 years is mentioned in both of these stories, which we find intertwined together in the Gospels. The woman had been bleeding since that child was born. 12 is a significant number for the Jewish people. And I believe that God is emphasizing the value, worth, identity, and deliberate choice of loving these two daughters. Jesus could have kept going where he was going, but it was so important to stop and be intentional. He wanted this woman to know. He wanted the crowd to know her worth. This story is in the Bible because she represents so many of us. This was the only person Jesus ever called daughter because he wanted each one of us to know that no matter what we've been struggling with, no matter how many years we've been struggling with it, even if no worldly thing has helped us, even if we have spent all of our time and money and exhausted all of our hope, Jesus has the power to heal us. We need only reach out our hand in faith. When we know by faith the identity of God is a good father, and we know that our identity is a child of God, it is only from this intimate place that we can experience a relationship with God instead of law and regulations. And it's only in the power of this intimate relationship that we can experience resurrected life and healing. The women mentioned in Jesus's genealogy are Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. In a time where no woman was mentioned in legal matters, Jesus's lineage provided a permanent record of these women in the Bible. Each life had its own struggle, an intricate story of doubt and healing. God included them in Jesus's genealogy so that we could find ourselves there too. We're part of the family. They were part of his family, and so are we. Our own families have generations of brokenness. We all come from lines of dysfunction, but in Christ, we can be healed. Our families can be resurrected. We can start a new family line if we will only stretch out our hand in faith. Five women were mentioned in this genealogy. Four of them were grandmothers, and one of them was the mother of Christ. In the example of the four grandmothers, we see Tamar, who was manipulative and had to sexualize a situation to try to regain a broken promise. Next, there's Ruth, who was a foreign woman, not accepted by the Israelites, but she was noble and she was faithful, and she chose family and God over her culture. Then we have Rahab, who was a prostitute, but she helped the Israelite spies. She believed in her heart who God was and acknowledged him as the one true God. Bathsheba was innocently taking a bath when she was approached by a king who coerced her into adultery, and in that time, she couldn't say no. Last, we have Mary, Jesus' mother, who was a virgin. She loved God in her heart, and even though she was confused and scared, she believed. I think when we look at this genealogy, these ladies were included to show all of the different things that women deal with in that society and in ours, ones that don't acknowledge them equally. And then we look at a young girl who's not yet encountered those situations. 
who was chosen at a time when she was so young that her heart was still as pure as it could be for a person, and her body was pure. Mary was also 12 years old. That is who Jesus is born of. I think God is saying that he can take the lineages and the ancestry in the genealogy of brokenness that is in our past and bring it into a place where it is pure and usable through Jesus too. I think it's beautiful that Jesus' genealogy includes all of these women. God wants us to know that no matter what our background, no matter what our parents did or our grandparents did, we have the choice to live differently. God is saying there is not a thing that we have done or that our family has done that cannot be redeemed through his son and made holy and pure again through the healing of Jesus Christ. The encouragement and hope found deeply woven into these stories is for you today. No matter what ails you, no matter how long it's been, you are a child of the King. You are his family. You too can be healed. You need only reach out your hand in faith. And men, if you're listening, please note this stands for you as well. The Bible chose to use examples of women, of a woman and a child to represent the least of these in that society. You too are a chosen and loved child of God. And from that intimate relationship, from that identity, you too can be healed. It's important to note the value here placed on being a child, on the identity of having a parent who loves you. Jairus was an important man. He had a high status role in the synagogue. Jesus was God, and both Jesus and Jairus called someone daughter. Both cherished them. Both, by society standards, shouldn't be making a public spectacle over these unimportant ones, but they didn't care about rules. They cared about their family. They were more important to them than anything that society had to say. So could you only just reach out your hand and faith, touch the hem of his garment, and be healed? You're making all things new for my good. And your every word is true. If I could just believe.
fear Doubt and confusion, you're not welcome here All of the lies that were said over me I will sing out a new song, a new melody Push past the darkness so I will not fear Doubt and confusion, you're not welcome here All of the lies that were said over me I will sing out a new song, a new melody Just touch the hem of his garment